the Ghost Goal Podcast. After a weekend of heavy movement up and down the Premier League table that saw Liverpool seemingly right the ship with their win at Newcastle, the Reds came crashing back to earth Tuesday in the Champions League, surrendering an early 2-0 lead at home to lose 5-2 to Real Madrid in the first leg of their round of 16 matchup. Meanwhile, Arsenal stormed back after trailing twice at Aston Villa to re-establish their two-point lead at the top of the table as Manchester City slipped up yet again at Nottingham Forest. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast, episode 398. That's not all we uh, got to talk about, Javier. We've got a a very depressing episode for uh, Chelsea fans, which uh, I'm not going to run away from. There's a lot to talk about. The relegation battles got super interesting, you know. Beat me to it just by a second. Yeah, just uh, lots going on, Alex. Where do you want to start? Where do you want to start? We always start, I feel like, with Arsenal. I don't want to talk about Arsenal right now. Could save that for later. So you, you we'll, pick. we'll get to it eventually. Let's let's yeah. remain topical. Like like I opened with the uh, the, the Liverpool fiasco. Yeah, let's, let's call let's it. Let's talk about Liverpool because I think a couple of days ago, Javier, if we actually if we had recorded this on a Monday night, we would have very different things to say about Liverpool. We would probably be borderline be saying Liverpool are back on track. They're going to finish top four. They're riding the ship. But just one day later, and uh, five unanswered goals later uh, to, that Real Madrid scored, now it seems like Liverpool are back in crisis. Uh, is it is it either of those true, or do you think it's somewhere in the middle? That Have you uh, ever seen Liverpool just ship five goals at Anfield to any team uh, it's unanswered? The first time, it's the first I've time I've never ever seen or heard in, of that. I'm Europe, like, I, in a European Cup, Javier, uh, that they've conceded five goals at Anfield. First time ever. Liverpool, the most, you know, the most decorated Champions League slash European Cup team in English history. Obviously, they suffered this fate at the hands of the most decorated team in all of Champions League history, Real Madrid. But it still is, it's really jarring to see that happen to Liverpool, especially after they were up 2 0. And, you know, following on from I mean, the honestly, results on the they weekend. Were, what you were gonna, th- I was about to say. So you look at the the results that they had. They they won the the Mosesar Derby with, you know, a somewhat resurgent Everton coming back. Then they they put on a a, a great display against Newcastle. You know, going call up two nil. But good. Well, you know, electric first twenty minutes where they you know scored two goals and got Nick Pope sent off, and you know, uh, you know, just shut down the game from there. So they kept a clean sheet. I don't know. Newcastle looked like they could have gotten back into it, even down to 10 men. Like they didn't end up getting the goal, but Liverpool were holding on like a little bit for dear life. I I think you could make a case that there were uh, there were uh, glance, like glances of what happened today in the Champions League in that uh, uh, Newcastle match over the weekend, where if Newcastle hadn't have had Nick Pope sent off, which was just a really dumb mistake by Pope to, you know, take out the man and, you know, reach for the ball outside of the box and get himself red carded only 22 minutes in, I think. If that doesn't happen in Newcastle, keep 11 men on the field, especially with how they've been at St. James's Park this season. I think they easily could have gotten back into it. And I know they're not they're not Real Madrid. They're not that they don't have that many amazing attacking weapons like Real Madrid do. But do I think they could have gotten it back to 2-2 with, you know, three quarters of the game left? Absolutely. So 
they uh, Liverpool end up getting that result, getting themselves sort of back on track in terms of the, the the Champions League race. But do you think this loss today kind of undoes all that good work? I don't think it undoes all of the good work because I think for Liverpool, the more realistic target for this season is you know somewhere in that four to five range. You know if they can finish fourth, great. But you want to definitely still have European football next season um, and. Obviously, they, they. I think their goal is going to be top four this year. They, I don't. I don't feel like they have the team to win the Champions League this year. You know, there's there's too many injuries, uh, too many players who are still starting out in the team, like Darwin. Um, you know, Diaz being out for the season, Salah seemingly. You know, he looks kind of like he's back. You know, uh, not completely, but you know, he's been scoring today. and assisting in the last few games and. I don't know. Uh, I was like you, like you said. I would have been praising Liverpool much more on this pod if that Real Madrid game hadn't happened today, um, and it made me kind of like you know reel it back a little bit with them back to reality. But they do have, still have the the situation is they still have two games in hand on Tottenham, seven points back. Um, those two games they have a double game week coming up right now. Um, I think they play Crystal Palace um, away, and then they play Wolves at home. Wolves at home. So next midweek. If they go win-win there... Well, Wolves are a team that just beat them 3-0 at uh, Molyneux a couple at weeks Molineux. ago. So, so let's see. You know, th- those these are going to be big tests for, for Liverpool. And, you know, Crystal Palace haven't won in a while. They've been, you know, pretty shit for a, a, a while now. So, I, I mean, they should be able to beat Crystal Palace and then probably get like a narrow win against Wolves. If they do that, they're, they're right back into it for top four. They'll be one point off of Tottenham. I think Newcastle will have a game in hand on them. And if they win that game in hand, they'll be in top four, but they'll be right there, you know? So it's still in Liverpool's hands, I think, if they can go on a run. Yeah, but we're, we're talking about ifs. I'm a little but bit worried about, about Newcastle. Think to yourself like what you've seen Newcastle, from them. But when yeah, was but the last I, time you've seen Liverpool look consistent? In, in any way, they still they have haven't those looked consistently spurts, good They still or have bad. those spurts of energy where they'll they, they still have that, that like you know that clop thing where they'll they'll blitz you for 15, 20 minutes at a time in a game. And look, they still look what good that did them today. They they, no, they scored two goals, conceded five. They well, fell but they were to also pieces. playing against arguably the best counterattacking team in the world. You know, a front three of Benzema, Rodrigo, and Vinicius Jr. is just ridiculous pace. They had uh, Camavinga and Valverde as well in midfield. Ridiculous pace See, in midfield. But I here's mean, the it, thing, Javier. You, you, when you can't you can't say it's just because of all of Real Madrid's weapons. When Liverpool have shown th- like routinely throughout this season, they shipped three goals to Wolves, three goals at Brighton. Three goals at there was another team that I'm forgetting, but it, they, they've conceded boatloads of goals in games against teams that have nowhere near that good of weapons. I obviously agree with you that they, they, they still have a chance to get top four, and that's what they should be, you know, aiming for. They're Liverpool. I think. But I think the big. The biggest. I don't thing like their me, chances. I don't like. No, their I was going to say the all. biggest thing for me is you look at the teams that are in and around that area right now. Newcastle are they have eleven draws and two losses, ten wins. So, but they've already dropped points thirteen times this season. I would be hopeful. Liverpool have only dropped points twelve times this season. I mean, they have a few couple games in hand, like I said, so they could still either you know rack up more wins or drop points more times. But for Liverpool, it, they've got to have some hope because Newcastle aren't a perfect side. They're drawing a bunch of games, occasionally, very occasionally losing. But you know, there's going to drop a bunch of more points this season and. Newcastle have only lost to Liverpool this season twice. That's it. 
No other team has beaten That's them pretty in the crazy, Premier League. Yeah. Uh, this uh, actually brings us into like the tweet of, of the week, which is you know basically about this top four discussion. Uh, it's from longtime listener, pretty much since the, uh, the, the earliest days of the pod. Uh, our, our guy Chris from uh, high school uh, at Wargle2014. Uh, he asked, uh, Spurs currently sit fourth in the table. Isn't it Newcastle? Eagle? No, it's Wargle. Oh, Wargle. Okay. Wargle. It's Wargle. short, I'm guessing, for War Eagle. War Eagle. Uh, go Auburn. Uh, but he asks, Spurs are currently Ooh, sitting fourth Auburn. in the table. Newcastle are one point back with a game in hand. Fulham are four points back. Liverpool and Brighton are both seven points back, each with two games in hand. Who will finish in the Champions League? The, that final Champions League spot. Because I think we can all assume at this point, Arsenal, Manchester City, Manchester United, they're all playing consistently well enough that those top three spots are taken up by them. That fourth spot has been in Newcastle's hands for a while now. And despite Tottenham having like horrific results, like that 4-1 loss away to Leicester like two weeks ago, they've now jumped Newcastle, though Newcastle do have the game in hand. If you had to put like real money on it today, Javier, who do you think is going to have the cojones to pull it off and finish in the top four? Yeah, see, I'm I'm not convinced uh, on any of those teams. I'm I, I'm I'm still kind of thinking Liverpool because of the experience. Um, I'm also thinking about Liverpool last season, um, where I, I mean they just I think there was a while where Van Dyke was out. Um, or maybe you're, it was you're thinking you're before. thinking two seasons ago. Yeah, two seasons ago, when, uh, where they, when Allison scored the the goal against West Brom, that's what you're thinking. That was during. But the, basically, the lockdown. they were they were really shit for the first half of the season. weren't picking up points, and then the second half of the year, they just rallied and won a bunch of games. And I still think Liverpool have a run in them of that, where they're going to win five or six on the trot. And I, it might be now. They might just go win win here, and that'll be four 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 you know wins in a row. And you know, I think they have a hard run of games after that. Um, or no, I think they play Manchester United after that. Well, so that, that'll be a big test. Um, but then they have a couple easy games after that. So this could be their run right now where they go on go on it. And I think their experience, I think Brighton and Fulham, you know, they're going to choke at some point because they don't have the experience. They don't have, you know, they could be in it for something like seventh place, though, you know, conference league. I mean, you, you say that. I mean, they may not have the experience as a full team, especially Fulham. The, especially the current. Fulham. Well, Actually, I was going to say Javier them. for Fulham. Actually, both of them. They don't have the I'll experience the reasons, as Alex. a team, as a single unit that that can make the Champions League. But they do have individual players who have played in teams that have you know competed in Champions Leagues before. Willian playing really well. Chao Palinha played for Sporting. He's played in the Champions League before. I'm just telling you, they they have some players that yeah, you can't Jack really Paulina say that for, Bright, for Brighton. Probably, you know, Fulham's best player, uh, you know, him and Mitrovic, whatever. But uh, I think I think I'll tell you why. I, I think Fulham right now have Mitrovic problems. Uh, the right now there's an un, un, there isn't a return date for his injury. He's been in and out of the team, but when he's been in the team, he hasn't been scoring. I think it's been five or six games now in a row where he's played and he hasn't scored. So even though they're still getting results and, and playing relatively well without Mitrovic scoring, I think at some point that's going to fall off. Um, so I think for Fulham, I think they're going to finish like eighth, ninth, something like that. Brighton, I think, won't fall off as much because I don't think they're as reliant on like one goal scorer like a Mitrovic. I think Brighton have goals spread out throughout, uh, throughout the team, and I think they're a little bit of a, a little bit better defensively than uh, than Fulham, 
Um, and I think that they say that the Fulham just went to Brighton on. and and won one nil. I know that. Goal I know from that. Manor Solomon. No, I I know I know. But uh, Brighton also have two games in hand right now, um, and they could get a couple wins and jump Fulham easily here. So I think Brighton will finish above Fulham. But I think I think Brighton finished seventh actually. Um, I, I, then, I, think, I just think it's wild that you're you're still leaning Liverpool over Newcastle and Tottenham. Like I, I don't, I, know I don't why. love Tottenham for it either. Why. But I mean Newcastle Newcastle should be the 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 real. I mean Tottenham. I, I haven't even talked about Tottenham, but I mean they obviously have Harry Kane. Human Son looks to have kind of found some form again. I think he scored, uh, you know, he scored a couple goals. I think it, well, I don't know, was it the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup, and then uh, you know he, he came off the, the bench League and scored again. against West Ham. Yeah, yeah. so if they get a, a son who can start producing again, this Tottenham side could look a lot stronger. Kulusevski has been pretty quiet as well for the last couple of months since since the World Cup. I think Let's there's get still these a lot of weapons out of here, Javier. All right, all right. Chris Alex. is asking us who's getting the fourth Champions uh, League spot. Who is getting it? It's too early. It's too early. Yeah, no, I mean, I know, but we're we're te- making the prediction this early. Like, we're open to being wrong. Uh, like, I, I'm personally just going to say it's going to be Newcastle. I think the run of right, you know winless I'm games, the the run of winless games for Newcastle has uh, typically coincided right now with Bruno Guimaraes being out injured. I was saying that to you before we started recording. He is everything to them. They're going to have to go through these next couple of games without Nick Pope as well. But Dubravka is like a decent backup option. So Bruno Guimaraes coming back into the team, I think that helps steady the ship for them. Uh, maybe Alexander Isak fully gets back from this injury and, and can have a run of, uh, of games playing consistently in the league, like here in the second half of the season. And I think they wrap up top four. It's also... A question of who do you de- who do you rely on more defensively, and I would say Newcastle are a far more defensively reliable team than Liverpool are. Liverpool are an absolute shit show at the back because they don't they can't play Klopp's style anymore. They they can't play high pressing consistently enough to uh, shield that back four that well, is Van riddled Dijk with players that make mistakes consistently. Yeah, sure, great. I, had, even when he was in the team, they weren't no, playing great No, I know, but he had Joe season. Gomez next to him. I think Matip just came back Gomez, from injury. Gomez, Matip once are Matip, once Matip both inconsistent. Back, yeah, once Matip is back healthy, they have Matip, Van Dijk, Robertson, Trent. I, I, also, their midfield right, seems to be and Robertson, all the time. Sorry, Matip and Trent Alexander-Arnold have been making a ton of mistakes this season. Matip was one of their best players last season. He's not been able to replicate that this season. He's better than Joe Gomez. I'll give you that. But it's not just the back four. It's obviously the midfield issues as well. They don't have a settled midfield. They they don't have a single player in that midfield that I would like take at Chelsea right now. And we're about to get to that, but Chelsea are a shit show right now. So it's uh, I, I don't see there being any way they fix that. And the only way they could have fixed that was by signing like someone in January. So I, I think they end up like maybe getting a Europa League place at best, but I don't see them getting back into that top four mix. Speaking of the shit show that is Chelsea, <laughs> um, where do we want to start on this one? Because uh, Chelsea had what, a game I want to against answer, uh, bottom I want of the to table. Chris's Chris's uh, tweet. I want to answer. Did you it say it was Liverpool? Uh, no, no, say? no, I, no. But uh, also his tweet about Chelsea when I uh, earlier when I posted, uh, you know, the Chelsea team walking out and uh, Spilicueta like turned around to try to like hype up the team and nobody responded. Everyone just like ignored him, just like kind of looked down. No one else really responded to his cheer. And 
Chris was uh, saying, you know, what does that mean? I wanted to like throw this to you, Alex, but for me, if I'm a team that's in a rut and not doing well and we're not scoring goals, like we should be coming out hyped, trying to hype each other up, trying to get like an attitude going into the team, you know, ex- trying to get some some sort of like something going. But there was no one who was seemingly, you know, trying to take the mantle of trying to do that other than Espilicueta. And I think that's a problem at Chelsea um, because there aren't really many players who are going to be that guy to step up right now, who are going to be the, the leaders in the squad, who are going to be the, 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 the bastard or the, 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 the jerk, the guy who gets in the other guy's face and you know pushes, pushes the, the guy for your teammate or gets a red card sometimes. But you, know, you guys don't have characters like that in the squad. It seems like there's a lot of, a lot of new players. We do. They, of- were, they were missing on, on Saturday. But uh, let, me, let me translate a little bit, actually, of, of what I think Chris was saying when he says, what does this mean or what does that mean? He was saying that basically the insinuation that that clip from Chelsea walking out at Stamford Bridge against Southampton was a bad thing was fully dependent on the result. Like if Chelsea had, if the team had come out looking all like hyped up and everyone was clapping and saying, okay, let's go boys. And then we had still lost one nil and given that bad of a performance, then people would have been laughing at them in a, in a different way. They would have been like all that rah, rah, just to lose one nil. Like the, the point is it doesn't matter. And the, the point you're making is completely you know, it doesn't really, it's not really connected to what ended up happening. What ended up happening was what we should be focusing on. And what ended up happening was Chelsea lost 1-0 to bottom of the table Southampton. With no manager. Uh, with a terrible performance. No manager after they sacked Nathan Jones uh, after that awful uh, result against Wolves the week before. Is uh, Modric, it's too early to call Modric a flop, but... Uh... It's a little early for him. Well, to he only he only came in off he only Chelsea. came in off the bench, so he, oh, he wasn't he, he wasn't starting okay. that game. The really concerning thing about this game is that even though the results leading up to this had not been great, a lot of draws, a loss in the Champions League before uh, or the midweek before the Southampton game. Despite those results not being great for Chelsea, the performances had been steadily improving. Things looked like they were getting better and better, like we were developing more of an identity and that we were just getting unlucky and the same old uh, issues with our, our, you know, our cutting edge and our finishing were just rearing their ugly head. That's something that Chelsea fans are used to, frustrated with, but used to. We've seen that before. But to, but to shift away from that team, uh, I can't even say it was a, like a fully settled 11 we had been developing, but we were on our way to having a, a fully settled starting 11 to shift away from that by benching Silva and benching Reese James uh, and Mudrick. Uh, you know, I think in the day, in the days after that result, the Southampton result, it's come out that all, all of them were like highly high, high risks to get injured. If they had played that third game in the span of six or seven days, that may just be PR bullshit, but to make that decision to change the team up like that, I think just completely threw off whatever mojo we had been building. It was the worst performance. Potter of the is season known to do by that far. shit. By the way, he would he would do that upright. Yeah. where like he would just tinker around with the team and put Trossard at left wing back or put Trossard at right wing or you know move. Uh, he, he he would just move different players around. Play Ben White at uh, center mid. Play Ben White at right back. Play him at center back. Just we you had know, Mason Mount at center forward for right. a period in the, like, uh, the, in the second I, half. Sometimes of that game. I don't know what Potter's doing, and 
I was saying to to my dad this weekend uh, when we were talking about who's Chelsea, a Chelsea fan. Yeah, for, uh, who's a for Chelsea those of fan? You, you know, know. And, and he basically th- is is Potter out. He doesn't. He's not. He doesn't think you should fire Potter now. He thinks you should give it till the end of the season. Um, Your dad has gone from Chelsea or winning the Champions League to right, Potter out. To Potter out, yeah. But uh, you truly but, are his son, Javier. But but he thinks that he should that Potter shouldn't be fired now. He should be given to the end of the season. Um, but he thinks that Potter isn't like is out of his depth, and he's showing it with you know these lineup choices with uh, you know not really seeing improvement from any players since he's come in. Usually when a coach comes in, maybe in the first month or two, there isn't that many improvements. But he did have that like month-long World Cup break with the players where you thought, you know, his coaching philosophy, what he wanted to do. He kind of had his, like, a, like a preseason, basically, with them. And, I, you know, I know a lot of new players have come in and they might need a full preseason to really get his ideas and what he wants going forward. But I don't know, Alex. Do you think he's out of his depth? Do you, what, I know that you, you're Potter out, right? I mean... No, I think you might have misconstrued what I, I what we were texting about. What I was going to say was that I, I'm not Potter out, but at the same time, anyone and any Chelsea fan that is, uh, you know, hashtag Potter out, I'm no longer willing to argue with them about it because I don't have the the evidence to support, basically, to convince them that they're wrong. But at the same time, like if what this there new was there was a group, point if, in Arteta's reign when we got here, when we were like at this point yeah, where you absolutely. were talking there to me and you were like, points. you were like, Javier, like, do you like, what do you think of Arteta? And I'd be like, mm, like, I don't know if I want him at Arsenal anymore. And like you sometimes have to get through those points with your manager. You know, sometimes you just got to like, you know, yeah, I mean, the key thing faith. is that you don't get relegated. Like, that's yeah, obviously you just like got to put the worst faith possible in outcome. like. Uh, as as like generic and as like corny as it sounds like in the process you know if you if you believe which it seemed like a lot of Chelsea fans were really happy with the signings this this January Badia Chile you know Modric uh, Enzo Fernandez uh, Madwike all of these players have looked promising in flashes right if you believe that these are good signings and for the future then then you have to give the coach time I think you have to give the club time to get their shit together. It's only been, you know, a few months. Chelsea fans are so used to the immediate success. They need to like reset their expectations. You have, Absolutely. You guys had to start with like a blank slate with these new owners and be like, all right, like we're, we're, we're a top four team right now. You know, that's, that's like where you guys have were the last couple of seasons with Tuchel. I know you won the champions league, but you're not like a champions league level winning team. Like we, we all know this, you know, that season was, you know, kind of, kind of, I'm not, I'm not going to say oh, it was no. a fluke, but Th- it was a little that bit season, weird. That season, we were obviously a Champions League winning team because yes, we won but I'm it. saying this season we are yes, not. And like, last obvious. season as well, I'm saying and since I mean, last, last season, season as well, last season were we were the closest. Yeah. We were the closest to beating Real Madrid last season out of all the teams, you know. That no, I know, but you, uh, Real so, there, beat, so there so. were remnants of you guys being good. But I'm saying this is now a completely different team. It's not Tuchel's team. It's not Abramovich's team anymore. Different owners. Everything. The the whole back staff has changed. Like the amount of change, the the amount of time it usually takes for like, you know, all of those things to start working together is more than a year, a year and a half. But you, from what you hear from Boli and and uh, Egbali, they both say it's going to take about a year and a half. Three windows is what they calculate. So they've had two windows. They think probably over the summer, and then they're probably expecting results going into next year. 
but this is just this is your eighth eighth place. You know, Arteta finished eighth. <laughs> I, I'd bite your hand off for eighth place right, right now. No. <laughs> but what I'm tenth. saying is, this is you know, Ar- Arsenal finished the first season under Arteta in eighth, but that wasn't that was mostly he came in uh, halfway through exactly. So. That was mostly Emery and Bloomberg or whatever, and then Arteta came in. So you can't you know that he won the FA Cup in that year too, which I think bought him a lot of grace going into the second year. We had an awful run. Awful run. Do you remember that run? I think it was like three draws, one win against Manchester United where we did not deserve to win and like six or seven losses. And we were awful near the bottom of the table. You know, jokes about relegation, all all the same things that Chelsea fans are going through right now. Um, You know, went on a couple of decent runs before the end of the season, but did nothing. Right. Finished eighth. And then last season, choked Champions League, finished fifth. You know, the definite improvement to the squad. Right. And at that point already, we got rid of the, there was a huge shift where like the Obama Yang thing happened, the power shift happened in the club, and at since that moment, it feels like the club's been harmoniously moving toward you know in an upward trajectory, and I think Chelsea's got to find that moment for themselves, right? Like you guys gonna are gonna have to go through these hard times, but there's gonna be another side of it. You're gonna get better. It's so clear that the owners have invested heavily into the team, so like. Every, the Chelsea Chelsea fans just are like, oh, we need to win, be winning cups and finishing and, and t- challenging for the title. It's like, no, you don't. Like, that's not you guys yeah, right okay, now. Okay, but Javier, you know? here, here's, where I'll, Give it a here's break. where I'll jump in on behalf of Chelsea fans. That's all well and good, but do you think those Arsenal teams at that point would have lost to bottom of the league Southampton the way that Chelsea just did? Like, we did. We, had, we, like, went ma- through, like, we went through periods where we were losing to teams like that. Yeah, I remember the Burnley game at home that you lost 1-0. I remember that was like especially bad, but it, it just felt like what we, this Chelsea team had been building, especially the performances that they'd been, you know, building up one after the another, getting a draw at Anfield and largely being the better team, uh should have beaten West Ham uh and ended up drawing 1-1 and getting screwed by the lack of VAR and competent officials going to Dortmund and, you know, <laughs> In terms of like the, the let, let me stop performance you, of the Hold team, on like blowing them off the park and we should have scored three let or four and losing one nil. Again. Let me put it into perspective for you I, I'm just saying we both shouldn't Manchester have lost United, to Southampton. Right, that Chelsea Manchester fans will United never get used to that. And Arsenal had huge like shifts in, you know, Ferguson and Wenger being gone, right? And it took both of them a long time to get back to like... For Arsenal, it took five, six years to, to six years really to get back to no five years, I guess, since Wenger's left to to kind of get to that level where Wenger had us consistently over time. For Manchester United, it took eight, no, almost ten years, you know, almost ten years since since Ferguson left um, to get back to that point where Ferguson had them competing for for titles and and you know playing Barcelona and looking Javier, better than is, Barcelona. On who the is pitch. our Ferguson or Wenger's? Are you equating that to Abramovich? Uh, yes, essentially, I'm. I'm. I'm saying like I was. I was about to compare it. There's been a shift at Chelsea of that. That like that. I don't care how much money is like put. How many players are bought? Because Manchester United spent three billion dollars or whatever in in those ten years. Two billion dollars brought in so how many hundred million dollar players, and it didn't work. So it doesn't matter if you get all these names. You bring in Cristiano Ronaldo. You bring in Paul Pogba. You know all of these things happen. Sometimes, you know, you don't you don't have the right coach, you don't have the right players, you, you know, so it might take time is what I'm saying. And jumping on your coach and shoving it down Potter's throat and saying it's Potter's fault, like 
it's just it's to me it's 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 uh, yeah. snotty. I, I don't it's not, I don't believe not, I don't believe it's yeah. fully Potter's fault, but I, I do think there were he could have kept like Tiago Silva in the team. You know? Koulibaly got dragged off at halftime. He looked but, awful. But you had a like, Champions League game coming up. No, I mean, we just played a Champions League game. We had no ah, game this right. week. Okay. We don't play another Champions League game for like two Didn't more Thiago weeks. Didn't Thiago Silva play in the Champions League game? He did, yes. yes. And right. he was one so of the then, players that they, they thought was so a then, risk so to get injured So you don't again. want to risk getting, getting him hurt for, for a long term. I mean, you, should, you shouldn't need Thiago Silva to play against Southampton at home. True. And, you know, once Wesley Fofana came on for Koulibaly, we looked fine. But we were already down one nil at that point. Um, yeah, so. So I think I think for what I'm we'll saying see. for Chelsea fans is you shouldn't be looking at the results. Uh, I would be more getting excited over like individual performances, improvements. Yeah, but unfortunately, the team there was there were zero course, there's good performances be last weekend. No, I know, but but uh, but you know what? You guys had a great performance against Dortmund. I know you lost the game, but you guys created. 15 chances and Sterling had shots cleared out the line. Havertz hit the, you know, the, the woodwork. Uh, Felix. Felix hit the woodwork twice. I mean, it was so it's there for Chelsea. I mean, you guys, there's been improvements, like you said. So just look past the results. I think you guys have to hold on to Potter for a while. Uh, my dad was like, oh, you, of course, you're going to say that as an Arsenal fan. You just want us to have the worst coach in the world and, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, like, I, I really think like he could be beneficial for you guys long term, but there might be growing pains. It's just like he's a young manager who's definitely probably out of his depth right now, but has to learn. And if he does, he's he, he's shown the ability to pick up quickly in a job and learn quickly from his mistakes and improve on them. So I think you give him that benefit of the doubt. And, uh, you know, you don't I, I don't like that people are already potter out and there's a big crowd and booze and all that stuff. I think it's well, so snotty well, let me, and shitty from Chelsea. Fans. Let me close up the, the Chelsea talk by just saying the reason people are like that is that is because at Chelsea, not only are Chelsea fans used to immediate results or or bust. That's how it's been under Abramovich for the last 20 years. But we're also used to really big personalities as the head coach or manager. Jose Mourinho, Antonio Conte, Carlo Ancelotti, like these these guys who like have the aura of, you know, like big players, like even. So for someone like Graham Potter to come in and he's the complete opposite. He's very even keel. It doesn't matter if your team plays really well and wins or if they play terribly and loses, you're going to get the same even-keeled uh, response from him either way. He's not going to uh, like overreact if, if we lose, and he's not going to overreact if, if you win and play really well. That's like, that's like off-putting to Chelsea fans. It, it makes it seem like he doesn't care, which is definitely not the truth. But that's, that's an aspect in a manager that might be useful in the future, you know, where, you know, if you're even keel and things go wrong and you don't freak out and go, go off on a player who made a mistake in the press then, you know, that kind of prevents the team from falling apart in, in future results. So, uh, I'm, again, I'm not I'm not one of those Potter out people, but at the same time, he, he's got to give me some ammunition to fight back against those people because I'm not seeing enough of it so far. All right, with the little time we have left, what do you want to prioritize? I feel like we should prioritize the top of the table with Arsenal and Manchester City and what shaped out this weekend over the, the relegation battle because... You guys took part in like the game of the weekend by far when you great came back game. from what a game from I one mean, nil and then two one down to beat Aston I mean, Villa four two great late because we we kept missing chances and keeping it dramatic for everybody. But 
Yes, you know, it was uh, Aston Villa took their only two chances basically, and uh, we missed uh, open goal. And Ketia missed a few chances again, but he still contributes without a. Uh, without actually, uh, secret sporting. agent Emmy Martinez came to, to came secret to the rescue. Secret agent <laughs> Emmy off the back of his head. No, but what a shot by Jorginho. I mean. Jorginho was man of the match uh, in this game. Yeah, I, I only have praise for Jorginho. Um, I've been reading stuff saying, you know, he's been already, you know, integrating really well with the squad, uh, already taking up like a leadership role, trying to tell Arteta and the players where he thinks they should be moving and playing on the field. You can tell he's extremely vocal, constantly yelling, uh, yelling at players to get into position or who to cover. Um it's great to have uh, that general in midfield because while Thomas Partey, uh, his distribution on the ball is similar uh, world-class ability to Jorginho, he actually doesn't have the incisive like cut-through dink balls or like through balls that Jorginho's like, just quick mind. Very, very quick mind uh, from Jorginho. Okay, I've been very, very here, impressed with him. Here's the thing. We've had the same praise for Jorginho these last couple of games. But specifically in that Villa game, again, I agree with you. He was very good. But you can see, even in the two goals that Villa score in that game, that there are like clear setbacks to having him as the only like player at the base All of right, your well, midfield. Well, the first goal was just a, a freak goal where it was a, 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 a you know, Zinchenko well, yeah, not, loses the ball, a ball in midfield a ball in behind. and a ball over the top in behind and Watkins but gets the, the, in. But the second goal specifically, the second goal was Jorginho also not his fault. No, Jorginho the, gets a, dragged a, out wide. No, but he gets dragged a, out wide, the ball gets slipped behind him, and then but that was just an un, No, but that was an unbelievable in. dummy from Buendia. That dummy from Buendia like, sure, just completely I, threw the play. It was a beautiful play from Villa. Team, it was a beautiful I, goal. I'm not even trying to say like it's all Jorginho's fault. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying when he's in your team, your team is always going to be just that little bit much more open. And whatever little chances that teams do create, there isn't that same like dominating presence at the base of midfield to break that stuff up. Of and, course. And, and I was about to say, stop that. I think Thomas Partey is a better player overall, better for our team. He does more. But the drop now between Jorginho and Thomas Partey playing in the base of midfield is almost none, which is Amazing, I would even almost say, offensively, we 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 have we're probably a little bit more incisive and direct with Jorginho playing because he has that he's just he does have a little bit quicker of a of a of a of a you know sometimes Partey gets caught on the ball or you know takes a couple needs to take a couple of moves in midfield before he plays Jorginho just one time pass all the time and he plays the correct pass almost always plays it well um and yeah i mean that 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 shot at the end i mean sucks that that wasn't his goal but deserved the goal it's a beautiful shot and then you know martinelli getting the fourth i, I don't know what emmy martinez was doing going up for a corner thinking like this is the fucking world cup well, final and he could score well, i was trying to i mean the risk is apparently you know, emery either... told him not to do it but yeah i mean but at the same time the reason the goalkeeper goes up when he's down in the league is you know you're already losing you're basically risking losing by two, but the payoff is you might get one. Alex, point I think this was our nothing. biggest result of the season. It may be. You want but to know because why? Because every everything pointed to you guys at the very everything least pointed dropping to us collapsing in, that in this game. game. Everyone was was like, "This is same old Arsenal." We conceded the first goal. Um, you know, then we we equalized fairly quickly. Conceded again. Um, it looked like you know. 
I don't know. We we looked like we were going to be missing chances. It looked like a, like a two two draw was 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 on the cards, and we were going to drop points in a draw again. Um, but getting another last minute win. It's not the first time we've done it this season. We've done it a few times now. Um, but getting the last minute uh, winner, and then you know get another goal, which was just you know doesn't even matter it was the game was unbelievable um but we missed a bunch of chances it felt like when Odegaard missed that chance the open goal that that was it like all right we're not gonna we're not gonna it's not gonna be our day today you know but the fact that it still was our day we still got the win and Manchester City go and drop points to Nottingham Forest I mean I know Forest have been amazing um at home so far this season you know basically I think they haven't dropped points at home or they haven't lost at home since like before the World Cup. So, you know, they've been really, really good at home and we're honestly good for the point. I know that City missed a bunch of chances, but like... Yeah, I don't know about that. They City, kept it City at 1-0 the won. whole time, you know, which is which was True. What, what you want against Manchester City. Keep yourself in it. And then their striker goes and gets them a goal, which I think they deserve, deserve draw there. Which I, I think was probably offside, but, you know... It's VAR fucking up for you. It's been happening a lot. Uh, I thought it was interesting how Erling Holland, before the game when he was interviewed, he was saying how he was like, he was basically asking his teammates to feed him the ball in more direct ways. Like while a lot, a lot of people have been talking about with him, he is basically saying, if you get me the ball, I will win us the game. And then he has the chances and has probably the worst miss of the season uh, in the second half. But a lot of that was off the back of City having the lead and Forest shifting into a more like attacking system where they were they were basically parking the bus for the whole first half until Bernardo Silva scored. They shift to try and get the winner, open up a bunch for Holland to get good chances. And Holland chokes them. He he accepted that responsibility, wanted the ball more, got the ball more, and he just missed. And uh yeah, he is human. He's human after all, not the Terminator. Um, so yeah, the, I I think that result you guys had just you know thirty minutes the final whistle was like before City kicked off definitely had some kind of effect because if if you guys draw that game with Villa two two then all of a sudden City are chomping at the bit like oh yeah okay now we're, now we're back we're, to a two you know, point lead with the game in hand and uh, you know the the losing to Manchester City doesn't seem uh, all doom and gloom anymore you know yeah I told you it wasn't over Javier I told you not to. Uh, be too depressed. I didn't think it was over either, Alex. But uh, I, I really didn't expect the the slip up from City so quickly. And uh, you know, I think for us, it's it's going to be a great that's that win. If we if we had dropped points, I'd be I would have been fretting this uh, this this Everton game. Um, but now, you know, I I, I kind of feel like it's going to be a uh, relatively easy. I think uh, the, the, everyone's going to be back in in harmony, and we're we're playing well again. So. Sean Dykes is coming to town again, Javier. No, he's not doing it this Sean time. Sean Dykes. He's coming to our Good place Good old this Brexit 1-0. No Sean more Dykes. Brexit for you, young Sean. <laughs> I don't think he has Calvert-Lewin this time again, so... True. We'll see. All right, well, let's uh, just take a look at uh, some of the games that people should keep their eyes on for this weekend. One game that, despite you know the up-and-down form of Tottenham and the now seemingly terrible form of Chelsea, I think it still has to be the Premier League game of the weekend, is that uh, London Derby on Sunday morning, 8.30 a.m., Tottenham hosting Chelsea. Javier, I think Chelsea's record of never conceding a goal at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in the Premier League, I think that comes to an end this weekend. I think Tottenham might score against us. No, but when Chelsea need a result... (laughs) You're you're right, but... You know who's coming to town. I can't do it. I can't do it. 
You, you guys got Javier? this. It's Tottenham. Despite this being game of the weekend, I think, I think this is a nil-nil. And I think everyone leaves this one frustrated. I could see uh, it being a nil-nil. Yeah. Yeah, so... Despite me just calling it game of the weekend, it may still be an entertaining game, but an entertaining nil-nil. There better be some goals if I'm going to wake up for this shit. (laughs) Uh, Outside of the Premier League this weekend, at Wembley, Sunday after uh, that Tottenham-Chelsea game, the Carabao Cup final between Newcastle United and Manchester United. Two teams desperate for a trophy. United, I think, have gone like six years without winning a trophy. The last time they, they won a trophy, I think, was the Europa League final in 2017 under Jose Mourinho. Uh, Newcastle, it's their first final since the 90s, so uh, or maybe the early 2000s. So their fans, I'm sure, are going to come down from Newcastle in, uh, in full force. It should be a great atmosphere. And, you know, despite the Carabao Cup not being like a, a trophy that everyone, you know, loves and values very highly, Newcastle fans will truly value it if they get a trophy this early into the new ownership, uh, you know, and Eddie Howe's uh, tenure as uh, as the head coach. So uh, that, that adds a little bit of, of spice to it. Plus, Nick Pope is out. So it might be too tough, too big of a mountain for them to climb, but I wouldn't count them out either. Uh, if you had to Brofka's pick a winner a that, pretty good uh, backup keeper, so yeah, I wouldn't yeah. count them out either. And to finish up, there are some, uh, you know, games at the bottom of the table. I do want to mention Leeds Southampton, nineteenth versus twentieth. Uh, that's Saturday that at ten a.m. Yeah, and then also West Ham, Nottingham Forest. West Ham are now down in the relegation zone. Bournemouth and uh, Everton leapfrogged them and uh, Leeds. So uh, huge games, home games for Leeds and West Ham to try and get themselves uh, out of the relegation places. Uh, so, yeah, those are uh, all to look forward to Saturday during that 10 a.m. time slot. There's no 7.30 a.m. game on Saturday, so you guys can all uh, sleep in and wake up for uh, a nice little 10 a.m. slate. Javier, thanks for jumping on this one. Really appreciate it. And uh, never did I think that you would be the guy defending Graham Potter and Chelsea, but uh, we got you to do it for 15 minutes. Congratulations. <laughs> I just, no, it was more like, uh, I just, I, I don't like Chelsea fans crying about the results right now man it's just like it feels like it's uh it's ingenuine disingenuine you know i think you guys gotta disingenuous pipe even? down for a little bit yeah pipe down you guys just got 400 million in signings shut the fuck up and like enjoy your signings and let them develop for a little while like it doesn't mean you're gonna get immediate results it's, just, it's annoying me how much chelsea fans are like crying about the results H- javier javier Get on Twitter and get at people with these opinions I should, because I, will, I, I never I see original tweets from you, and I want you to start, you know, going at these people. Join me. We'll do we'll do it together, Javier. Uh, but if you want to follow Javier on Twitter, you can follow him at JavierRev9. You can follow me at ASMoss92 on Twitter and Instagram, and you can follow the podcast socials at GhostGoalPod. And if you want to tweet at us, DM us on Instagram at GhostGoalPod, and we're going to choose one, uh, you know, tweet or message every week to, you know, work into our conversation about what's going on in the league and maybe even the Champions League. So get that into us, and uh, you, you've got a chance, a good chance of getting on the pod, and we'll talk about whatever it is you're asking or whatever subject you're bringing up. If you're listening to the pod on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave a rating and review. Those new ratings and reviews uh, help us get new people to uh, see the podcast or get it uh, suggested to them through those apps. Enjoy the football this weekend, everyone. And until next time, thank you.